0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we cover the news from the gaming world from the past couple of weeks. My name is Patrick Beja and I'm so excited that we're going to be talking about all the industry-defining announcements that we've uh, witnessed over the past couple of weeks. Of course, I'm referencing uh, the Randy Pitchford Magic Extravaganza show, and not at all uh, Google Stadia or Apple Arcade. Um, we will talk about all of those and more during the show. But first, let me welcome back to the show. Actually, Ollie Welsh, editor of Eurogamer. How's it going, Ollie? Hi, Patrick. It's going great. Thank you. You uh, are you know, having I just, me on. I just checked, and you were uh, actually on the show. Uh I thought it was a couple of years ago. It was in February twenty fifteen. No <laughs> four years ago. Um the the show was, was young. It was episode seven. Uh and we were young as well. Um, what did we talk about? We Was we, it
1: Blizzard? It's usually Blizzard. It's
0: <laughs> it's often Blizzard indeed. Uh but we also it was um the time when we you, you got rid of uh scores.
1: Oh, I scores, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I was just, uh, yeah, I just started as editor then.
0: Uh-huh. So your first decision was to blow everything up, basically? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How's that been going over the past four years?
1: Yeah, good. I, we're pretty happy with our review system. It's not perfect. Um, I don't think any review system is, but um, it solved a lot of the problems that we had. Mm. And I think our, uh, our readers have got used to it as well, Um and our, our, um, it's certainly like we don't have as much needless conflict, I would say, with publishers as we used to. Like there's still some people would like to get a recommended, obviously, for their major titles. But um, you're not quibbling over, you know, a 7 or an 8 or a 9 right. instead of 10 uh, like you used to. So I think it is, it's cleared a lot of that up. Um, and it's uh, I think it's helped our reviews stay... Uh, relevant in what's been a pretty tricky time for video game reviews and continues to be. But um, yeah,
0: it's it's gotten a little bit less uh, uh, in. I mean, it, it's less in focus in the conversations. The score is kind of some people have them, some people don't. Yeah, uh, it's settled down a bit, which is good. I think it was uh, an important conversation to have, but shouldn't have uh, shouldn't last yeah. forever. If you yeah. want to listen uh, to all the reasoning behind that uh, decision, you can go check out Pixels Episode Seven. Um, and I apologize I do have to ask the question before we move on to Google Google Stadia um are are you keeping the name Eurogamer uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to Yes of course we
1: are um we are uh, you know Britain remains uh, a a country in Europe uh whether it's in whether it stays in the EU or not <laughs> All um, right. Which, at this point, I don't even want to speculate on what's going to happen tomorrow. So I, I think I no one
0: wants to. No one wants but no, to. are
1: um, a Eurogamer, the, the reason the site has the name is because, uh, at the time it was founded, in 1999, by the way, so we're going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary in September wow. this year, uh, most of the major websites about video games were operated out of the US, and... Um, the whole point of the site was to offer a different voice and a, and a focus on gaming for Europe. And I remember visiting it as a gamer in its earliest days, uh, because it was one of the few places you could get reliable release dates for games in Europe, which were often very different from the release dates in the U S. Um, but no, it's like, it's a core part of our, our identity. It's, um, it's a bit nice. of a weird name for a site, <laughs> which now, a global site to have, but, um, you know, it's, it's who we are and we wouldn't change it for anything.
0: That's that's good to hear. I'm I'm very happy because I, for one, want to keep you a gamer in our part of the world, whether it's you or. Well,
1: Europe. I mean, we're based in Brighton, and you could not find a more uh, <laughs> European-leaning
0: town in the UK. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's start by talking about Google Stadia, which uh, the news is, uh, uh, I think it was exactly two weeks ago that Google announced it. So I'm sure everyone has heard about uh, what the announcement is and uh, a lot of the details. So Mm -hmm. I'll run through a few of them very quickly, and then we'll try to um, think about what it means and what it it, it means for the industry um, and the specifics of Google and maybe a little bit of speculation. Um, I think everyone knows what game streaming services are nowadays. Of course, you receive the video as you would from a, a Netflix or a streaming service like YouTube, any other, but you input the, the, the commands on your controller at home and they are sent to the server. So all of this has to be very, very quick and it's very susceptible to lag. And that's the main technical hurdle that the uh, companies providing these kinds of services have to overcome. Of course, Google is probably one of the best two or three uh, companies that are the best positioned to solve that hurdle. And I think a lot of people who have tried those kinds of services, myself included with uh, Shadow, um, which creates a full PC in the cloud, uh, the people who have tried them are usually fairly positive on them. They say they work or they work well enough to serve a, a good portion of the needs and the population. Um, and and of course, it's never going to be as... Uh, As fast and and, uh, reliable as a console in your home, which I think a lot of people, a lot of core gamers are going to want to have anyway, or a PC in your home. Um, But for a lot of people, or as a third or a second or third option, it will be uh, very uh, viable. And then there are people who haven't tried them and who are saying either it will never work as well as a console in my home, which is what I want, which I think is fair enough. And that is not what it's trying to be. Or some people say it doesn't work. And again, the people who say that usually I think are the people who haven't tried it. So we're not going to solve the technical Uh, uh, answer here the technical issue here Um, so we're going to move on to some of the commercial offerings which are the other side of those services which all of them has have failed until now Uh, but just before we do I do want to ask you Ali have you had experiences with those streaming services what do you think of them Um, or if you haven't maybe you still have ideas about them I guess I've, I've had
1: a little myself, and obviously um, we have uh, Rich, Ledbetter of Digital Foundry on our team, who's tested them all um, extensively, including Stadia in uh, in its latest incarnation. Although not not the not the version that we'll launch with. Um, generally speaking, uh, the feeling is that uh, lag is not bad. Certainly for like a thirty frames per second action game like Assassin's Creed which is actually a pretty laggy game anyway that they're demonstrating with, the, the experience doesn't feel like materially different from playing it on, um, on a home console. It's going to be different with faster paced stuff. It's interesting that um, Stadia were pushing Doom Eternal as one of their uh, titles for this year because that's a much faster paced 60 frames a second game and it'll be a tougher test for their service than something like Assassin's Creed. Um, the next level up from that where I think they might actually struggle is uh, um, fast-paced, 60 frames a second competitive games. I'm thinking of Call of Duty and FIFA, two of the biggest games in the world. I think they might struggle to migrate people on because I think lag might be more of an issue. There's image quality as well. So uh, you're going to get some uh, artifacting. The image isn't going to be quite as clean as um, uh, when you're playing a game locally. I think probably for most people other than like hardcore gamers there's going to be a much higher tolerance of that whereas laggy gameplay can put anybody off yeah. um, i think i think the experience is going to be good enough for most people what the, the, um, google does have like a tremendous advantage here uh, as you say in that they've just got such a they've got this giant infrastructure and there's only two other companies that can come anywhere close to them and they're microsoft who've already announced their own streaming service and amazon who haven't announced anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had something in the works. In terms of just having data centers out there and sort of geographically close to people's homes that they can put lots of gaming hardware in. And um, Google obviously has an enormous advantage there as well as all of their uh, technical expertise in uh, 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 streaming and managing traffic over the internet. So, um, you know, I think they're pretty well placed, but like a lot depends on your home connection Uh, They say they're going to try and get their requirement down from 25 megabits per second, uh, which is what it was for their beta, which they ran last year, Um, which at the moment means if you're on fiber, uh, you're probably okay. But if you're on a DSL internet connection, you might struggle, I would say.
0: Yeah, it seems the DSL connections will struggle because of lag anyway. Um, yeah. I would suspect, but um, I, I mean, yeah, you summarized it pretty well. It's I, I think you we shouldn't gloss over the fact that um, the 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 digital foundry. Experts, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't remember um, the specific.
1: Rich, Rich, rich. Better. Um
0: who tested it at the the demo there uh, two weeks mm-hmm. ago with a high speed camera, uh, did notice it it was more or less equivalent to uh, Assassin's Creed on an Xbox One X if you incorporate the um, display lag from the TV. Yeah. Yeah. And. And that's that's very important because it was on Wi-Fi at the demo station. It wasn't the, the absolute best you could get, although the servers were probably pretty well connected there. But, yeah. I mean, it's important to note, it was roughly the same thing. And there are a lot of people who play uh, Assassin's Creed and who think the game is fine. So the, a, a lot of people are going to be okay with that. Some will Go ahead. What
1: you also have to consider is just the... Um there's always a trade-off, right? Like, it can't, it, the experience cannot be as good uh, as Absolutely. Uh, playing it, just as, like, listening to music on Spotify can't be as, can't uh, offer the same bitrate, the same quality, as listening on a CD player in your house. But there are tremendous uh, advantages that go with it. And I think the biggest one for most gamers, and one that I'm surprised more people aren't talking about at the moment, is no patches, no downloads, no, and much, much reduced load time. The, game, the, the gameplay experience is going to be so much faster. And if you want to play a game, you just play a game. I tried to play Gran Turismo Sport the other day because I was excited. I hadn't played it in months. I was excited to, that they would put my car. I've got a Mark 1 Mazda MX-5. They put it in the game. I was like, oh, I really want to try that out. <laughs> of course, it was a system update to the PS4 and a title update to the game. It was probably an hour and a half of updates and downloads before I could play it. The, my window for playing the game had closed, and I couldn't come back to it for another week or so. So, it's yeah, the idea that you can simply just boot boot up the service and be playing a game instantly, I think, is 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 of tremendous value to gamers. Yeah, and, that's the and and is a fair it's a fair exchange, I would say, for a bit of lag or or a bit of a loss of image quality.
0: I think, you know, a lot of people, you're right, are focusing on the negative aspects, which are absolutely uh, relevant and should be noted. But you're right. The the positive aspects, uh, they did demo, uh, for example, the YouTube video playing, and then you have a button on the YouTube video at the end uh, from the the person playing a game, the influencer, the YouTuber playing a game, mm. and the button says, play now. And you just press the button, and you are literally playing the five seconds later and it doesn't matter what you don't you know the barrier to entry of having to buy a console or having a powerful enough pc to play it actually installing the game or buying it or going to the store although that happens less and less um the fact that you can just play it instantly is absolutely massive and then we're not even talking about the idea that uh, the 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 commercial aspect could be maybe a subscription model which we haven't heard about and there, there are a lot of questions around those the parallel with spotify is important as well um but the the there could be for example what does you uh, google do they do free services via advertising. So maybe there could be a free tier. And certainly there will be free um, trials for, for some of the games at least. There will be
1: trials, yeah. yeah. And I think those could be useful even for people who don't don't intend to use the service to play the games. Like if you want to try a game before buying it for your PS4 or your PC or whatever, then that could be great. Uh, Free to play games will be huge there because the, like, they're all about low barrier to entry. And if you take the download out of that equation, it just makes it even more immediate. Subscription, we don't know what way they're gonna go. We don't know anything about pricing yet. And obviously it's it, it, that's a huge thing which will greatly affect how the service goes. I would imagine Google will look a, at a subscription service down the line, but I'm not sure they're gonna launch with one. And the reason for that is they need to build up a catalogue first. They're a new player. And if you look at the other people launching subscription services at the moment, Microsoft and Apple, they're people who've been in games for a long time and have built up uh, a lot of relationships and a a vast range of software that they can cherry-pick from to build their um, subscription catalogues. I think it's going to be harder for Google to try and muscle in there. So my guess, and it's just a guess at the moment, is they're going to launch with a fairly standard Mm buy-the-game-play-the-game store.
0: That would make uh, sense. Or along
1: like, the lines of Steam,
0: uh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm, I thought the subscription would be the way to go, but as you noted, you do need developers do need to adapt their uh, games to the platform. It is actually a yeah. platform. The way I said it in in other shows was, it's kind of a console, just like any other console but you don't have a console. You don't have a physical yeah. console, but you still have to port your games to that platform. Um, so it might take a little bit of uh, of work. Um, yeah. I'm sure they're working over time. And they do have, um, uh, of course, um, people working on... Uh, games that will be exclusive to the service with Jade Raymond. And of course we know Phil Harrison is working there, Um, but it will take time to develop those. And they, so yeah,
1: this is, this is one area where I think they are a little bit behind. Uh, The technology sounds amazing, but um, it feels like their new studio that they're setting up to develop exclusive stuff is quite new. They've only just hired Jade Raymond uh, so I would imagine the kind of uh, games, exclusive games that will define their service are some years off. Yeah. And we all know from covering games for many years that uh, exclusive games really make a, a huge difference to a platform. Uh, even a service like Steam, which we don't really as- associate with exclusives. And I'm, we may well talk about this with respect to the Epic Game Store later. Yeah. but <laughs> Uh, You know, the reason Steam is where it is, is that it launched with Half-Life 2 and that was the only way you could play it it on PC. So, um, yeah, like it is a uh, that is really important to them. And I think they're going to be trying to sign up some developers here and there for exclusives. But without the kind of relationships that people like Sony and Microsoft and Epic have in the business, it's going to be tough for them to catch up. And it's a shame and, as well. And in the because, back catalogue,
0: I mean, uh, whenever yeah. Microsoft launches with their own service, they already have a ton of games you want to play uh, right. that will be there from the get-go.
1: And they already have a subscription offering which will which will fit perfectly mm. with their streaming offering and has a, has a pretty nice catalogue of games on it already. So, yeah, they, they've, they've got a lot of work to do. Um, and I think it's a, bit, it's a bit of a shame that they're not further ahead there just because... Technologically, the platform is very exciting and it has some unique advantages over others because it is streaming only because it has no there is no uh, uh, under your TV box equivalent, which Xbox will have, obviously. Um, That means they can do things that other platforms simply can't. People developing for other platforms can't. But we're not going to see those until. Uh, the first major wave of exclusive games comes along, and I think that's probably a few years down the line.
0: Yeah, they did do some crazy things with uh, getting people to jump in from an audience if you're a YouTuber or streaming from a party. If yeah. you're four people playing together or more, you could see what the others are seeing. It's unclear how that will be used in actual games for gameplay, but it is a unique advantage. Um, There are a lot of other things we could discuss on the Advantage side. I do, before we move on, want to uh, uh, talk for just a second about the concerns. Uh, There are two, I think. First, if there is a subscription service, which is kind of a um, a, a question mark at the moment, um, a lot of people are doing the parallel with... Spotify and saying, well, how do people get paid if there is a fixed lump sum and then um, it's divided across hundreds of of developers, potentially? I think there is that concern, but also Spotify has shown that it does bring in a ton of money when it scales, and that's, I think, Google's intent. Um, And whether or not the actual musicians get the money is another issue, but it's an issue with the the music industry. And the other concern is uh, Google abandons tons of stuff i'm not sure it will happen here but maybe Uh, it's a bigger project than things like google wave and and google buzz or whatever little things they Mm. did on the side and and then um uh, i think that was yeah so if that happens what happens to the games you bought do they just simply disappear what happens to archival for games for streaming services that's another concern as well
1: yeah it's um this this you're right this is a worry and it's a worry So Google's Google's a pretty scary company, right? And Mm -hmm. I don't – a lot of people are are ready to ascribe them with very sinister motives. Um, I don't necessarily do that. But what I do worry about is that they're so immensely powerful that they often don't – and this is true of a lot of the big uh, Silicon Valley companies. They don't fully think through the uh, consequences of their actions – or work hard enough to mitigate those consequences. So, like, it is going to have a very disruptive... If it is successful, stage is going to have a very disruptive effect on the games industry. And, um, like you say, like, if they offered a subscription service, it could potentially uh, change the goal... move the goalposts for for publishers and developers quite a lot. When you're looking at a company like Microsoft, they're a company that have been talking to those publishers and developers for nearly 20 years now... Um, and so they're going to they're going to have a sense of how to maintain those relationships. Whereas I'm I'm worried that Google just won't won't be concentrated enough on making sure that its impact is positive. The, like, and and there's a reasons to worry as well because if you look at YouTube, the platform has done so much for so many people. But at the same time, it, you know, there's a there's an awful lot of toxic communities on there, a lot of very irresponsible creators that that Google doesn't do an awful lot to try and control. And they they're talking about reducing the the distance between video games and YouTube even, even more, so it's virtually nothing. And they have a very a worryingly laissez-faire uh, attitude to the YouTube platform, I would say. So, yeah, it does, it does concern me that as big a deal as this is for Google, it will only be a tiny part of what they're doing, and that uh, I, I worry that they don't care, they don't care enough yet about, the games industry and the games community to to be careful with what they do yeah. but i am tremendously excited by the technology that they're offering like it's 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 the the specs for the for the platform are very very powerful they're easily going to go toe to toe i think with the with the next gen platforms and we know that uh well we're pretty sure that that microsoft has two consoles in the works and we like a like a premium version like the current xbox xbox one x and then a. Simpler version, probably targeting 1080p, and we can pretty sure the Stadia is going to be is going to be competitive with the more powerful of the two Xboxes. So they're going to be part of defining what next gen looks like, and they're going to be doing it this year as well, a year ahead of everyone else. So that's that's great for them. Mm. And uh, yeah, as well, just the 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 fact of of the um the 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 client consoles being in the same server architecture as the servers on multiplayer games so the, the, the communication between client and server is very quick there's tremendous potential for doing really cool stuff in mm-hmm. multiplayer that isn't possible on other platforms as well
0: yeah between client and server and client and client uh, yeah. even if you want to do it more Indeed, peer-to-peer yeah. like it's kind of you don't yeah. really necessarily need a server um, so you can
1: do way more you uh, can be much faster and you can do way more simulation stuff mm-hmm. in multiplayer so yeah. you know that all could be very very exciting
0: there are a lot of possibilities, and uh, we'll see what happens over the next few months and years. Launch is, is stated for the end of this year in um, most of, they said, the US, Canada, Europe, and the UK. Um, and they separated <laughs> the two there. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, again, we could discuss this because it is really industry-defining, uh, so we could discuss this for f- Hours, uh, but we are going to move on. Uh, I do want to talk about Apple Arcade, but before that, we're going to swerve a little bit and go a little bit lighter with the Nindy's showcase and some other Nintendo news. Um, mm-hmm. The Nindy Showcase was kind of, as always, I thought, a, a solid showing for Nintendo. It seems they never have disappointing ones anymore. Maybe it is because we have adjusted our expectations, but it, they always have a couple of gems. Um, and I think in this case, it was it was definitely true. The the one that, of course, everyone's talking about is the Cadence of Hyrule, uh, Hyrule um uh, kind of a remake, like reinterpretation of Crypt of the Next Necrodancer, which was really interesting because they have done collaborations with other game companies in the past and given them their ips most notably uh the the mario and Rabbids uh game from ubisoft but this is a very tiny developer um that did crypt of the necrodancer and there were a ton of others but that one certainly um... mm.
1: yeah i thought i thought it was it's was cool it's cool to see nintendo being that open with their license but um I think what you see here is as so, as so often with Nintendo is the advantage of a company that is just so completely plugged into games and when you saw the announcement you knew that it had happened just because somebody at Nintendo possibly somebody on the Zelda team played Crypt of the Electrodancer and loved it and thought mm-hmm. wouldn't this be cool and it and it is that simple and I I guess just to circle back to our earlier conversation that's a, a, a uh, something that I worry about Google not having <laughs> is <Right. laughs> that that sort of deep, deeply embedded relationship with the community and with the with the industry and with other developers, where stuff comes about just because everybody involved loves games.
0: I, I could absolutely, uh, okay, I could absolutely see the people at Google. Making the decision the decision to invest those millions of dollars and, and mad hours into Stadia because they were like okay look at the metrics game is games are exactly. super popular on YouTube and we yep. have the technology let's do it it's a very different approach maybe it's not like that but yeah
1: yeah so no I thought it looked really cool and obviously uh, they've had a lot of input from with from Nintendo because the the art in the game looked looked terrific yeah um, hopefully they're doing all right with the uh, the infamous nintendo approvals process which i understand <laughs> is pretty tough um the developer of mario and rabbits has lots of stories about how difficult it is to make sure you get mario's uh, i think it's his eyebrows or something there's <laughs> one aspect of mario that they're, they're extremely picky about making sure it's just right in the artwork but um yeah yeah i thought that looked cool uh, overall it was a, you're right it's a solid showing there was plenty there um I think Nintendo is very smart in the way that it does its um, uh, little directs and its showcase broadcasts because um, they do them not according to any kind of set schedule. I think they do them when they've amassed enough that it's worth talking about. Right. And uh, there's always there's always plenty in each in each direct these days. After I think you're right. There was there was a few that were pretty slim um whereas you know inside xbox happens uh every month whether they've got anything to talk about other than a new controller or not and uh it can be a little bit, a <laughs> yes.
0: little bit
1: thin sometimes and
0: sometimes it's uh it, i would say it's usually the latter but maybe yeah. i'm being a bit um so th- there was that and w- again there were many fun and interesting games uh, i would encourage you to go check it out uh i i noted the red lantern which was weird and and i mean it's 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 very much in tune with the indie community uh katana zero looks amazing it's coming in just a couple of weeks uh cuphead we didn't even mention it because there were con- slash half confirmed rumors about mm-hmm. microsoft game coming to the switch a while ago but it hasn't confirmed a-, a ton of other things but I do want to...
1: Yeah, I think we're going to see some other uh, Xbox-associated um, games turning up on Switch mm. before too long as well. Yeah. Part of the process of those companies gradually inching a little bit closer to each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a uh, um, report, was it the Wall Street Journal? I can't remember, but a, a pretty big... Uh, yeah, it is. The Wall Street Journal, again, uh, saying that there are new Switch models on the way. Yeah. um Two of them, in fact. One geared at more pro uh, users or more serious gamers and one geared at uh, basically a cheaper option. There are, yeah. There's a lot of speculation on one might not be dockable but still connectable to the TV yeah. and one won't be as powerful, of course, as an Xbox One X or PS4 Pro, but it would, be, uh, it would be more powerful maybe to have sustainable high uh, FPS on all games, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So we've, we've backed this one up with our sources and it's definitely true. Um, we're sure that these two models are coming. There will be, uh, this year, as say, uh, yeah, this year there'll be a cheaper, um, uh, there'll be a cheaper, less powerful, uh, um, model, probably more robust aimed at the sort of kids market in a similar way to, uh, the two DS revision of the three DS was initially, um, because the switch let's face it, is a wonderful machine, but it's not it's a little bit delicate it's probably not the best thing to you know give it to your six year old to play with so like a like a possibly portable only um, simple handheld device would be quite cool and then something and then a a slightly more powerful revision for um mm. uh, for the older gamers
0: yeah, I could see a lighter version maybe with the uh joy cons attached possibly um i'm I'm not sure if
1: they'll do that because it might just rule out compatibility on too many things i'm not quite sure but
0: um yeah and then you can't you can't give the the joy cons to people when you're you want to play together that's true it would it would change things um the 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 bigger one could have a larger screen might be something that uh more core gamers would appreciate um i mean yeah there are tons of possibilities what struck me as well is the switch is probably uh, because of its dual nature is probably the console that you can imagine uh a household buying several of as opposed to uh the the yeah. regular home consoles i could and and the core gamer community has fallen in love with it i am certain that a lot of us who already have switches are just looking for an excuse to buy another one. You know, they could just say, oh, now it has the Tegra 2, and so it's more powerful, and it can run better with a, a bigger screen and, and whatever. And we will yeah. just buy it just because. it. I think it's... Yeah, no,
1: uh, I know. The, the, um, the catch on my left Joy-Con has gone, so I can slide it out without pressing the catch button, and that's almost <laughs> enough to convince me that I need to buy another one. So uh, Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it, it all sounds... Um, it all sounds good to be honest and it all sounds very much what you would expect from nintendo if you watch the way they've marketed particularly their handheld consoles in the past this is this is uh all according to strategy yeah. and yeah it looks like they're the sales of switch has been selling incredibly well but it's possible that sales have have peaked now and they're going to start to slow down so this is going to be a way for them to make sure they keep they keep those boxes flying off the shelves with some with some nice new hardware revisions.
0: It's it's really they've achieved something pretty incredible with the switch because they have managed to uh, when they decided to go with one console that would be both home and portable. They could have gone. They could have uh, 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 achieved kind of a the the least of all experiences, like a common denominator would have be which mm-hmm. would have been uh, 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 kind of subtractive. But it's really additive. They've ended up with the best of both of these markets for gamers and for themselves, because they're selling uh, the console as a whole machine, but as much as many of them as, I mean... Maybe this is not going to work with the new models, but as many of them as they do with uh, portable devices, which they read yeah. all the time. So, actually, incredible. I can't remember
1: the last time I played my Switch docked. It's 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 pretty much a handheld for me, but uh, that you is know, I'm it's, fine with that. It, it the
0: the it's really split down the middle. Uh, the Switch apparently is used uh, as much. Uh, in handheld mode, as it is in docked mode. Uh, of really? course, some people have very exclusive uses for them, but overall, the usage is is pretty equal. Well, that's so, amazing.
1: That's good. So well done yeah. to them for achieving that. That's really great.
0: Yeah, I use it in docked all the time. So, yeah. um, oh, I, I just very very quickly the VR kit uh, from Nintendo Labo, which I made uh, fun of on this show and others. Uh, turns out. Uh, from the the extended presentation they they showed they put a lot of work into it and i kind of uh, uh, changed my tune a bit on it i'm sure it's still not I think it sounds incredible great. yeah, yeah it's, it's it's fun and they've worked they have tons of games that are little experiences like lebo games are but uh yeah,
1: yeah no i think it's a, i think it's quite a nice use for vr it's a typically very nintendo approach to to come at it from the other end to make it lo-fi to it's more—it's more like Google Cardboard than yeah. uh, you know, than Vive to come at it from the sort of bottom of the market and see see what they can do with with simple materials and simple little game concepts. And um, it's nice because uh, VR has always had something kind of toy-like about it for me. Like I think it's fun to sort of be in the world and play with stuff. I tend to prefer not to be in VR for like long experiences. So for me, I find it—I find the whole thing quite endearing and quite fun mm. to play around with.
0: All right, let's talk about the PlayStation State of Play, which, honestly, any other week would have been the uh, headline in in our in my show. <laughs> um, it's basically Sony confirming something we suspected they are going to be doing, uh, at least uh, for some of their announcements, uh, Nintendo Direct-type uh, videos. It's not a huge surprise, but it's still a, a, a significant development. Um, I, that video of course it was a trial run and i'm sure they didn't want to have a huge announcement on it so they kind of paced it out uh slowly uh a lot of people were kind of not very impressed i think it was supposed to be a big splash but it was a lot of news for vr mainly i thought it mm-hmm. was it was heavily criticized by the community. I thought it was solid. Uh, no Man's Sky getting a VR support, uh, a Marvel Iron Man VR game, um, a bunch of other games with, with – not all of them were VR, but some of them um, – mm-hmm. And they also announced uh, shortly after that they've sold uh, four million PlayStation VR and completely side thing but valve is teasing their own uh, new VR headset the valve index, which will uh, release in may uh, yeah in May of this year so it's coming fairly soon but um yeah I thought. You know, as as important as it is for Sony and for the industry that they are also uh, going the Nintendo Direct route, um, I thought it was decent. Um, it was okay. It was fine. Yeah, they did okay. I th- I think
1: I think they've said they're going to do it monthly, which I, as I just said about Nintendo, I think that's a mistake. I think you do these things as and when you've got the um,
0: oh, as I and when you've got the stuff to talk about. Yeah, uh, I think that's I, I definitely not a good idea. Mm.
1: Um, so I think they're going to go the inside Xbox route with it, which, you know, I, I think that, that's a little bit of a mistake. But um,
0: I mean, sorry, just sorry to cut you off just for a second. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, lack of appeal of the inside Xbox, maybe it's because it's very American, but having people on stage hyping everyone up and going like, yeah, we're yeah. gamers. It's awesome. I think is a is a turnoff for <laughs> me and for many other people. The the PlayStation Direct doesn't uh, borrow that. it, it It's yeah. in the Nintendo Direct style. Which is you know trailers, narration, that's it,
1: all told though i i I think these are these are good. I think it's great for these companies to be to be um talking directly to their communities. I don't mind it as a journalist, it used to be that all this stuff had to go through us, um so maybe it makes us a little bit special but less special but um uh anything that creates excitement is a good thing, and I like th- uh, when one of these directs l- launches and we're we're online at the same time as our audience, all so checking it out and, and posting the stories, I think it's, I think it's good fun and it's good it's it's good to keep that sort of flow of information going. Yeah. and uh, we don't need to uh, we don't need to focus everything on these on these huge events like E3 throughout the year. It's good to keep it's good to keep news flowing. So yeah, all, all told, I think there is a good thing for all of the companies be, to be doing these.
0: So I'm sure they're going to have one around e3 um it's it's likely i still think e3 is very relevant and they will be back next year if they have mm. to announce their ps5 at e3 um, yeah it's that that uh, duality between talking to the core gamer press and public and talking to a wider audience i think if if you want to talk to a wider audience you do need to have a press conference of some kind and you can't yeah. just have a a small
1: well, Sony. don't and This is the other reason they are doing this: is they don't really have much big to talk about at the moment. At the moment, they, right? I'm, they, I'm saying they, when they, they go,
0: when they announced the PlayStation Five, or, whenever no, that they, is, yeah. they'll be at E3. Or
1: yeah, they've announced all of their. They've announced so many major first-party titles. They're still working through them, and mm-hmm. some of them still some way off. people games like Death Stranding, The Last of Us 2. They just don't, I think they're go, not going to E3 this year simply because it's very expensive and they don't have anything to say. But that doesn't mean they don't have little announcements to make. And, and so having a venue for them like this is, is, uh, is good for them.
0: Hey, do you think they're going to have one of those games coming out this autumn? It has to, they have to have a big game, right?
1: I, 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 don't, I, don't, think, I, don't, I don't think any of them are going to make it. I've seen mm-hmm. rumours that Last of Us 2 is going to make it, but I would be, I would be shocked. If it did uh, so no, I think I mean maybe maybe a final release for Dreams I guess, which is going into a sort of early access release really soon, isn't it? Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I don't
0: consider that one of the big you know the big topics
1: not a hope. Uh, the only one that might make it, I think, is Last of Us Part Two, but even that, I, I would be
0: surprised. Yeah. So the the three that remain are Death Stranding, Last of Us Part Two, and uh, Ghost of Tsushima. And, yes, yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, Apple Arcade um, is a really interesting one. It's essentially a game subscription service, which for which you have to download the games on the iOS platform. I say iOS, but it's not exactly true. Um, it will the games will work on uh, Macs, Apple TVs ipads and iphones so it is multi-platform multi-format um Mm -hmm. and the games will be paid games only of course it makes sense if you have a subscription you don't Mm -hmm. want to subscribe to free games that doesn't really uh, uh work um and it's gonna launch this fall it was part of this larger services announcement that apple did but specifically for games i am personally quite positive on it i feel it it can be a way of helping uh, developers monetize paid games because, as we know, free-to-play games are um, mm. the, the, the majority of the activity on um, the Apple platforms, on the App Store. This, I think, can help through various means. You know, Apple is participating in development um, of some of the games and and then the way they are going to uh, to pay the developers isn't absolutely determined yet um it might be depending on the time that players spend in their games yeah. which will impact development or game design yeah. a bit but um yeah what do you think about that uh initiative
1: yeah i mean uh, like you say a lot a lot depends and like we were saying about google earlier a lot depends on how well they manage that relationship with developers and, and, and that they manage to support them i find the idea that they might pay by time played is kind of worrying, um, just because. How else would you do to, it, though? it's going to encourage um, uh, certain kinds of game design over, over others. And like, if you made a game like uh, Florence, say, which is a beautiful experience, but only takes an hour to play through, but takes quite a lot of development time then you're gonna you'll you'll be severely limited in terms of what you can make from it, so you'll be severely limited in terms of your budget so i think I think it's it's kind of worrying and you also start to see people uh pushing certain kinds of game design to to game design loops to keep players locked in for longer so they get more money so i i don't know I don't know the best way to work it out, but I think some sort of um some sort of license licensing fee based on an agreement between Apple and developer, what they see as the value of the game, because I think it'd be in Apple's, but it'd be to Apple's benefit to have a broad range of stuff of titles available on its service.
0: And to not have just games that will have long gameplay loops that will keep you, of course. I mean, Um, uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: So yeah, in that sense, I'm a little bit worried. I'm also, I'm slightly puzzled by it just because, whilst game subscription services are definitely going to be a thing, and I think they could also work really well, and you're going to see a lot of healthy investment coming from companies like Apple and Microsoft as they try to compete um, uh, with their their software libraries on these services. Uh, I I think doing it on mobile devices is is quite an odd choice uh, just because that market is so resistant to paying anything.
0: Well, that's Um, the thing. That's the thing, if if they have, because the, the, the thing we didn't mention, some of the games they have included in the services that have already been announced are quite compelling, and I could absolutely see people like us, if the subscription is, you know, five bucks uh, a month, we would subscribe to it and just let it run for a year or two until we mm-hmm. remember to to cancel it <laughs> and and just have some of the games and that is a way to get us core gamers to actually go in and pay for paid games That's a good point. sure uh, uh, yeah sure it's it changes the the business model but Games have always been influenced uh, by by the the business model of uh, the time. I'm fond of reminding people how things were back in the arcade days, you know, that the games were designed to kill you every two minutes for you to put a quarter back in. Um, So I I agree it could have a negative impact on on some of those game design choices. Uh, And hopefully, Sony, uh, Sony, Apple will include maybe a base uh, amount um, that people will get, uh, developers will get when Mm. their game is on the service. And it's in the interest of Apple to not only have games that are uh, long, you know, designed to make you play longer. So maybe it will happen, or at least they will ask some of the games to be there uh, specifically for that reason. Um, But I I, I understand the concerns. And I think, again, like we were talking about in in Stadia's case, they are valid. But I also think there are some, you know, the, the fact that we gamers like core gamers not uh, uh gamers who enjoy uh, free to play games of which there are many but console and pc gamers on average i think we're not buying more than one or two games uh, uh, um, mm. a year on mobile that would be a way to get money for us from us Yeah, no, that, that is a
1: fair point uh, another aspect of it that i do like is that um it's a continuation of Apple showing an actual interest in curating games on their on their mm. platforms, which a lot of the other digital storefront owners, Hello Google, Hello Steam, uh, don't show a lot of interest in. And uh, whereas Apple have always, well, at least for for quite a few years now, the the store has been very intensely curated. They have their own team of, of writers who are not unlike games journalists who are picking out games and writing articles about them to present them to to people and games that they feel reflect well on them as a platform. Um, so I like that. I, I see that Apple Arcade is an extension of that. And I think that's quite good because generally speaking, Apple, despite coming to games initially with a sense of slight distaste, they were never that into games as a company and they can sometimes fail to understand them. Um, I think they've learned a lot over the years and they, they now have a good understanding of what what makes a good mm-hmm. mobile game, and I think it's I think it's a good extension of them sort of curating their their store and their service for people. And I'm I'm glad they're they're willing to do that rather than leave it as a massive free for all and just let whatever floats to the top float to the top. So right, yeah, you know, that's that's certainly a positive.
0: And I think the the partnerships they've showcased uh, show that there is at least someone at apple that understands who you yep. want to be talking to if you want to have yep. actual quality games um and that aspect also tells me um i i have a young uh son now he's a bit over one year old he's not quite ready to start playing these games yet but in a few years i think i would be much more comfortable uh giving him a, a, an iphone or an ipod um with that subscription service and, and nothing else on it mm-hmm. and, and be uh, secure in the in the fact that he won't find some weird things or some things that I don't want yeah. him to start playing. So that's yeah. a, a factor as well. Yeah. Okay. Let's hope it brings more uh, money to developers of paid games on the Apple platform. I think that's the design and we'll see if it happens. Yeah. yeah um all right there are a ton of uh small tidbits about different games i'm gonna run through them um oh actually you know what i do have to stop and talk about the borderlands 3 presentation um
1: so i i missed this because <laughs> uh, at Eurogamer we had our own panel going on at pax at the same time as the borderlands one so i was watching that on the stream so tell me what happens.
0: oh my god so much um so randy pitchford is the CEO of Gearbox. I'm I'm putting a little bit of context for this. He's a weird, awkward and at the same time somewhat lovable and a little bit controversial person in the games industry. Um and the 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 game that he was going to announce Borderlands 3 has been heavily anticipated for years now. They did mm. a uh, swerve through Battleborn, another game that was supposed to be a big franchise for them. It tanked. Uh, sadly, it wasn't probably the right time to release that game. Uh, but after that, everyone's eyes was on the Borderlands franchise. So big reveal party. They had a teaser go out a, a few a day before. Uh, PAX East opens. Gearbox is there on stage to announce this. They come up and they start doing, um, uh, uh, they say, hey, we're going to have uh, something big at the end, something big. But first, let us talk about this. And fair enough, they talk about their publishing efforts. They showcase a few indie games and not-so-indie games. Very cool. It, it's, it's fair. You know, you're going to uh, uh, um, use the attention that's on you to do more stuff. No problem. 15 minutes. Uh, after that... They start. Randy Pitchford comes back on stage and starts doing the most bizarre, convoluted show of the card game for Borderlands that's releasing at the same time. <laughs> it could have been, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, but he gets people on stage and starts, I kid you not, a magic trick. Like a literal. <laughs> magic trick with, where the dude takes a card, signs it, he puts it back in the thing, and the card shows up in the th- package that was sealed uh, that he gave to someone else at the beginning. It took forever, and it was... Randy Pitchford needs no encouragement to do na- magic tricks in front of people. Um, well, one of think...
1: our team, Bertie, was at QuakeCon last year, and they they took the entire QuakeCon press <laughs> call to Randy Pitchford's house, where he has his own theatre, performing magic for performing magic built into his house and he did a i think hour-long magic show for the- <laughs> oh my god I, he's pretty good he's not he's not a bad position he's he he a weird man though he's and very good I, I have got to say if i was 2k's pr i would not i would not have randy pitchford on stage but they probably didn't have any
0: choice. Yeah, that's not the thing. Bodies. But I think after this, they are going to beg him not to do this again. <laughs> it was so awkward. I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, press conferences, game press conferences in my time. This was probably along with the first PC gamer uh, at E3, which was way too long and, and, oh, I and weird. That, I was there. I was there down the front. <laughs> it was It was not as long, but just as awkward. Um <sighs> And, and that's rare. Anyway, so all of that happened. then they showcase the trailer for the remastered versions of Borderlands, of which there are like three different... I mean, essentially, all of Borderlands is coming in 4K uh, to the current-gen uh, consoles mm-hmm. and PC in April. Awesome. Everyone's super happy. But the video is uh, not showing well. It's choppy, it's weird, and they're like, oh my God, okay, that's not working. All right, let's... Uh, let's let's. Uh, and they show the one for Borderlands 3, it's sh- choppy as well. And Pitchford is on stage going like, oh, okay, uh, I think they tell me they fixed it, so do you want to see it again? And of course, yes, everyone's happy, show it again. It's choppy again. <laughs> it, no, was, oh, it was terrible. It was horrible. And oh, he was taking it like a champ, until the point that he started uh, uh, crapping on the pack staff. He was like, oh, we should have brought our own equipment. Shouldn't have... Shouldn't, uh, and, and oh, he was, no. It was, oh, it was so crazy. Anyway, all right. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but watching it and reading Twitter at the same time was kind of... I started with, hey, am I the only one thinking this is taking a little bit too long and it's a bit weird? And by the end of it, everyone was... Uh. All right. Anyway, Borderlands 3... Was announced. Um, I'm of two minds about it because Borderlands is a great series, a uh, great game. Um, but the third one has taken so long to, to, to come that we don't have a release date, by the way. Probably by the time you listen to this, I think on the 3rd of April, they're giving more details. But um, I would guess this uh, fall. But it's taken so long to arrive, it felt like more Borderlands, which is great. And I'm sure Borderlands fans are happy, but it's still... I mean, I was hoping for a little bit more, a little bit different. I mean, their big thing was like, we have a billion guns now. Uh, There are several different uh, uh, environments. There's like a city, there's a bunch of stuff. I'm happy with more Borderlands. But at the same time, I was kind of hoping for...
1: Yeah, I I go both ways on this. You do hope for more, particularly for like what's going to be one one of not that many massive releases towards the end of this year. Yeah. But um, at the same time, you know, if they'd gone full Destiny or gone full Anthem, would that have been a good thing? Uh, you know, I think they they, Borderlands was kind of the first loot shooter, and then the genre turned into something quite different after Bungie got its hands on it, and it turned into much more. So it was much more like an MMO, whereas Borderlands is like, like I don't know, I guess like an, KD, early, Diablo, I guess. an early, early Diablo game turned into an FPS. It's like, let's just, you can, you can play it solo or with a couple of friends and you run around and you get tons of loot and it's all quite random and quite fun. So, um, I, I don't know, I think there's a market for that and I think there's going to be people out there, particularly people who've become exhausted by games like Anthem and The, the Division 2. And just how how sort of laden they are with these huge sort of multiplayer structures and end games and so on. I think something a little bit more pure will mm. probably play quite well with a certain kind of gamer, and I I wouldn't necessarily blame them either after having to play Anthem myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm back in Destiny two uh, pretty hardcore, so I, I I'm fed on that end. I don't want Borderlands three to be that, uh, mm. but I I don't know. I was I would. I think it's unfair of me to say I want Borderlands but different because Borderlands, it's like any other franchise. You want the next one to be kind of more of what you loved. But at the same time... You want a bit, bit, bit excitement. of excitement, yeah. You don't yeah. want to go, oh, yeah, yeah, for that then. Um, so, <laughs> no, I mean... We're going to get some more details. Maybe there are going to be some new systems and exciting stuff uh, that is that is going to provide that kind of, um, uh, you know, fun and, and difference that we would be looking for. Um, all I'm saying is you had an hour of presentation. Maybe you could have spent <laughs> 15 minutes or maybe just reduce the magic trick to five minutes and talk about Borderlands 3 for 10 extra minutes, showing us a little bit more about it. But anyway. Um, all right. A bunch of other games, uh, I'm going to run through them quickly. Persona 5 has a uh, teaser for a new version, The Royale, with a new character. Uh, The game, uh, the developers of Divinity Original Sin are uh, developing a co-op tactic game um, that is, of course, something that a lot of people are going to be very excited about. Um, it's Larian Studios, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Her story is getting kind of a, not a sequel, but uh, the uh, follow-up. It's, uh, ah, what's the name? I forgot. Let me click the link quickly. Um uh, I can't remember the NSA telling lies, right? Uh, telling lies, so that is uh, anticipated by many people as well. There's a new Lord of the Rings games, uh, a Lord of the Rings game uh, coming in 2021. So it's a bit, a bit, a little bit of a ways off. And you're going to be seeing things through the eyes of Gollum, which is an interesting perspective. Initially, I was thinking. This is dumb. And then I thought, maybe it isn't dumb. Um, Wolfenstein Youngblood is launching in July, and uh, it's the co-op Wolfenstein expansion, which could be interesting. But the most interesting thing is probably, oh, there's a Call of Duty mobile game coming to iOS and Android. Um, Valve is basically putting artifact on hold and starting to rethink what they're doing with this game which is probably a good idea business model would be the first um, uh, thing to look at there Uh, CFS is getting a big uh, uh, expansion and the most important one No Man's Sky is getting a new update um, called Beyond which has a ton of stuff it's coming this summer it's specifically more uh, potent multiplayer functionality it's uh, a number of steps in the Beyond update. Uh, It's really interesting because Hello Games, it's Hello Games, right? Uh, No Man's Sky. Um, they, They could have, of course... The launch of No Man's Sky was uh, very much disappointing. We all remember that. And they worked on it very hard for two or three years. And the release from last year was massive. And I think got them back into gamers. At least people were looking at it and thinking, all right, you did good on your promise. Yes, it took some time. Yes, you were overwhelmed. But now we're kind of satisfied with what the game has become. And they kept working on it. And this update is uh, uh i think one step beyond <laughs> for the update named beyond um what we could have what we sh- we would have been uh, uh in our rights to expect from hello games so it's it's interesting they're still working on it uh, but uh, in yeah, all I, of I, this all of this you can comment on anything
1: um, well, the no mans Sky thing is uh, the, to begin with the, the thing about the game was it, it launched yes, it was very heavily criticized, but it also sold incredibly well right. and they 'd made it with quite a small team and and uh, Hello Games became instantly a very wealthy developer, so the most important thing is they could afford to do it and i think I think they felt kind of on a bound too as well to get the game to where they had pitched it originally. Um, they're going beyond that now I again I think they can probably still afford to but um I presume especially since still it seems, selling
0: it seems each update is bringing in money as well because there's are Yeah it, games, it must yeah. it
1: must they must be selling copies off the back of these updates because there's a there's a level of development going into that game still after what two years that so is quite amazing so they must they must still be selling copies and uh fair play you know that's how you that's how you make a, a, a video game in, in in the current day and age you don't you don't stop when it ships you keep going you keep updating mm-hmm. it and you keep you keep getting new players i actually liked i reviewed no man's sky when it came out and i liked it then as bare bones as it was i thought it was a very unique and different kind of gaming experience so i'm really glad they're sticking with it and that um and that people are still playing it as well yeah, like I don't think they would be doing it if they if it wasn't being played. So, like it it must mean there's there's a lot of people still playing that game and enjoying it.
0: Yeah, certainly. I I think some of the developers might be done with it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Think, you know what? Let's move on to something else. But it's it's to their credit that they're um, seeing uh, it through.
1: Persona Five, the Royal Switch version, please. That's all I've got to say about that one.
0: It's, uh, it would be surprising if it didn't come uh, if Persona yeah. Five didn't come to the Switch. Yeah
1: uh i think telling lies sounds fantastic um the developer of her story is a, is a really really um, what's he called sam barlow he's a really yeah. interesting guy and uh, uh it seems like he's developing that idea further with uh with more development time and a bigger budget and uh, you know more actors and so on so i think that's 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 could be a really really interesting one that's one to watch um the that divinity co op tactics game sounds exciting. I think it's not Larian making it themselves, I think they've licensed it to another developer uh, that they're working with closely on that. Um, and again, this is uh, this is something I quite like to see when these it's something that's more possible now than it used to be a few years ago for a, a small to medium sized developer to have a big success. So a developer like Larian or like Hello Games, which is also working with other developers now have a big success and then start using that to work directly with other studios and to, to sort of, you know, pass it on as it were. I think that's, that's really great rather than it all going into the pockets of publishers. Um, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah I think that's, that's it on those.
0: Yeah. There, there's, there's so much, again, we could talk about this for a long time. Oh, and uh,
1: artifacts. Uh, Valve, <laughs> what, what is going on? <laughs> seriously what is going on at that company i don't it's like they haven't made a good decision in about three years apart it's from uh, apart from acquiring the um what, what are they call the Firewatch studio to make their new game uh,
0: composanto
1: yeah uh those guys seem great and i'm sure they're going to make something really nice but like I, I just i just do not understand what is happening at valve they, they it is puzzling and, it and is it they... is it
0: it's it was a, a year uh, a, ago they said was, we're we're working on games again which of course a game takes longer than a year to develop but
1: yeah i i i really don't know like the vr thing i got what they were doing i thought you know it's it's a shame i guess it hasn't really turned into anything but it was a new technology that people were genuinely really excited about that developer so cool they got really involved they helped develop the vive platform and uh they've they've helped out loads of loads of smaller developers working on vr games and stuff so that was great but like artifact is it is is what you were saying about google earlier about about them having decided to launch stadia because they saw it in the spreadsheets it's like artifact was a a game born purely of like trend watching and and algorithms and you know it was just like oh we've got this property that fits dota and we've got We see that hearthstone is big and we can acquire this famous developer to work on it and here's the business model we're going to use that's obviously because it's valve completely unregulated and there's going to be massive problems with it and you compare that to the way they're like managing or rather mismanaging the steam storefront at the moment they just don't they don't seem to be making human decisions everything seems to be algorithm driven and it all seems to be going really badly wrong so yeah i hope i hope uh, I hope they can find themselves again quite soon. I think I think so. I think they need to ship a video game. <laughs> I think that
0: would help. <laughs> well like, Artifact. That was that was it. Well yeah, no, that was one, yeah, and it yeah. was dreadful. So yeah, well. Um all right, some more industry news. Bethesda is not going to show Starfield or Elder Scrolls 6 at E3 twenty nineteen, which kind of vindicates me in that personally I don't like when developers just show a, a, a splash screen or like two seconds of a teaser of a game that is nowhere near made because I think it's it's deceptive. It's kind of dishonest with gamers because you buy Goodwill uh, and then yeah. you have nothing to show for it. Um, yeah. the, I'll, I'll think, run through they them very right.
1: quick. They were right to announce those two games last year just because everybody was going to be talking about them, particularly in the context of Fallout 76. But they're also right now to, to well, s- stay mum until until it's time to actually show some gameplay.
0: I mean, they were right from a communications efficiency point of view, but I think it's not fair to the gamers because you get people's hopes up. I mean, you you don't have to to believe them when they say they're they're doing this but i think it's dishonest too like it's not you're, they're not stealing anything i'm not saying they should be jailed but i think it's not very honest it's a trick you know it's like hey you love us right because we're doing this but you don't really have anything to show for and if a year after that you still don't have anything to show it's then wait a couple more years and and just write it and, and of course they're presentation without it would have been uh, what elder scrolls blades which is coming out now by the way and fallout 76 mm. and everyone would have said your slate of games is disappointing and they used this trick of starfield and elder scrolls 6 to get people excited when really it was vapor it was it was completely uh uh uh, uh illusionary to show this and it worked because people were I mean, like kind
1: of but also obviously they're making the elder scrolls 6 why why would they actually pretend that they weren't it's i think it's like
0: because they because they're we know they're making them but until you have something to show it could come out in 10 years and the goal was not to tell us that they're making elder scrolls 6. the goal was to tell us you might not like fallout and, yeah, and well, elder scrolls true. played but look at this on this side. But really, what we have to show to 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 offer is those things that you don't like. So it's kind of the, the Elder Scrolls Six. They're working on it, but if it comes out to twenty twenty two or twenty twenty five, it's it's not real. Mm. Uh, you know, it doesn't affect the anyway. I it's a longer conversation.
1: I, I think the Elder Scrolls Blades looks pretty good, actually. I agree.
0: <laughs> I agree. I'm not part of the people who who poo poo it, but it's just like from from a communications point of view, it's a it's a trick, but. Yeah. Um, all right. No more loot boxes in Heroes of the Storm. That's an interesting development. Um, layoffs at EA. Uh it's less surprising when it's EA than when it's Blizzard, but probably for the same-ish reasons. And uh mm-hmm. R slash Games is doing something interesting for April's fools, uh April Fools. They're uh closing down the subreddit uh for the whole day in an effort to um bring awareness to the negative uh really uh, atmosphere and um, the negative way the community is reacting to anything um, uh, underrepresented. And they have a long post explaining why they're doing it and showing examples of that kind of thing. And what they're saying is we don't want this to be normalized in our community, so we're closing everything down for a day and think about – go to your room and think about what you've done essentially is what they're doing, which I'm always for
1: yeah, it was, a, it was a brave move. A really brave move and I'm 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 impressed that they took it. Uh, I think when the comments are of, of, when the comments are
0: opened again, they're going to get a lot of shit for it, but um Yeah. Last thing, uh, uh the Oh, do, do you have to leave? No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. So you wanted to add something else.
1: Yeah, uh, just the the situation with EA, I guess. It's right. uh yeah yeah like you say less surprising than than Activision blizzard because like ea have while activision blizzard is doing well ea has had some uh, some disappointing results recently and i think um i think the the ceo said something along the lines of we do need to re-examine how we are making games and how we are relating to our community and i think that's true but obviously it's a shame that that means losing jobs i don't think that's going to help them relating to their community especially since most of those jobs are in Public-facing areas like marketing and PR and and customer support. So yeah, I, I hope they come through it, and yeah. I hope uh, everybody affected does okay.
0: Same story is uh, it's really very comparable. Um, I think yeah. the, the the fact that I mean they need people to manage the success of Apex Legends. Of course, I think uh, Respawn is is handling that, so it's not directly mm-hmm. EA. Um, but Bioware, which is a studio, they they, I, I, don't want to say something dumb. They own it, right? It's a, it's an actually yeah. EA owned yeah. right. Uh, so it's different from. Uh, oh no, they bought respawn as well. I'm dumb. They bought it a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah. The, the, but the, 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 the disappointing results of Anthem are probably something that factored into that uh, decision. I'm guessing um, it sold well, but I'm guessing they're not going to get. Uh, money from the microtransactions to the level they were. No, expecting I don't think. Because...
1: I don't think the. Uh, I don't think the player engagement is there with yeah. Anthem. Uh,
0: yeah. Anyway, um, go check out the episodes where we talk about Blizzard uh, and Activision Blizzard. To get <laughs> it's roughly the same, except gamers don't like EA, so they don't care as much. Which is ironic because the same the, the people are affected by it as well. But um, okay. Lastly. Uh, Epic, as you hinted at At the beginning of the episode Uh, Epic, the Epic Game Store is getting more Exclusives, Uh, one batch Is interesting because they are um, Getting the games From um, Quantic Dream Which is a previously uh, A studio that was previously Tied to Sony, not anymore Because of the Tencent investment I believe Uh, And they're also getting um, The Outer Worlds A uh Hello? Hello. I disconnected for a minute there. Okay. Um, So yeah, they're getting The Outer Worlds, the the game from Obsidian. uh, Control, the game from Remedy, and uh, a bunch of other things. Uh, By the way, the um, uh, uh, the Metro Exodus sold really well, like two and a half times as well as it did when it first launched on on Steam. No, I'm not talking about Exodus, of course, but uh, the the original Metro game. Uh, And then Bethesda is getting Rage 2, Doom Eternal, Fallout uh, 76 on Steam uh, because apparently the Bethesda launcher is not the best place to uh, (laughs) put those games on. Um, So I guess it it gives me an opportunity to pick your brains about this idea of exclusives, which I think a lot of gamers think are um, kind of anti-consumer and bad for consumers, whereas I have defended the idea that... What's really bad for consumers is the dominance of Steam in the marketplace, which is a monopoly. And the only totally way Epic agree. can get it, can, can rebalance things, is to get exclusives, because people wouldn't be interested in their platforms without them. But uh, So you agree with I, me?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I, 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 um, I think, I think you, Epic's tactic can be seen as kind of cheap. Uh, I, I get that, that. They're just throwing a lot of money around um, to... to get people to launch exclusively on their store. But uh, competition is desperately needed in that space, especially since Valve are doing such a bad job of, of managing Steam, of curating the content there, of managing the community there. Like, it's, it's really, a, it's, Steam is in, a, is, in a, is in a bad place. Yeah. And I know the Epic Game Store doesn't have the, the full set of features, and particularly community features, that Steam does, and it's going to be a while before it catches up. But um, the fundamental fact of it is that um, Epic's financial model is, develop- is better to- for developers, um, and that uh, Valve needs the competition because uh, I don't think they'd be making all the kind of mistakes they're making at the moment if they'd had strong competition for mm. you know all these years. So yeah, you know, it, it, it may not be ideal. I, I'm one of these people. I don't. I mean, it may be because I'm not like a. Well, I do play games on PC. I'm not a hardcore PC gamer. I don't really understand the issue with having multiple launchers and uh, you know <laughs> having some games in one place behind one icon on your desktop and some games in another. But um, uh, I get I get why people feel like it's a bit of a cheap tactic. I guess it is. But you know we need this. The industry really really needs Epic's involvement. It's a good thing. Uh, it's going to be good for developers. They're all going to get. You know, they they get a better cut, um, and it's uh, it's going to be a good thing for Valve to get a shot to the system as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm behind it, and if the price we have to pay for that is that Epic, you know, is is rather aggressively acquiring exclusives for its store, then then so be it.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people consider it to be a cheap tactic but really there is no other tactic I mean the the developer cut being lower means that the games could be lower priced and and some people will say well then just get the games lower priced and people will decide which is fair enough I suppose but it is still I think it wouldn't be enough to get uh, people's attention because the market is so dominated by Steam that it it would still not be sufficient so uh, yeah and it won't be forever. And I'm with you. the The idea that it is an unsurmountable effort that is being asked of people to launch another launcher is humorous <laughs> um, and i tried and to I a
1: console think. gamer guys the pain that we've had over the exactly. last four decades
0: <laughs> listen it will all be fixed when uh stadia and uh x and the playstation now is right. is fixed and all we have to do is just click on a button and the games will launch uh in our browser it will be so much easier all right i think that is going to be it um we had so much stuff to cover i hope we did justice to the most important ones uh thank you so much ollie for being on the show again please don't wait another four years to come back um oh, anytime what what uh would you tell people listening uh to do if they wanted more of you and of uh, Eurogamer?
1: Oh, just uh, please come to uh, Eurogamer.net, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Eurogamer, on Facebook, and uh, check out our YouTube channel as well. We're, we're Eurogamer on YouTube
0: excellent thank you very much for me it's not patrick on twitter uh, facebook and instagram not patrick one word and uh, of course you can find this show at frenchspin.com if you want to comment on some of the things we said feel free to do so and uh, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks with more gaming news talk to you then bye